0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to
1: iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: This is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, Arsenal go top of the Premier League and send out a message to the rest of the table with victory at Stamford Bridge. We'll react to Liverpool's win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well. Tony Cascarino gives his views on Antonio Conte's tactics. We'll also talk about Aston Villa and Unai Emery's first game as they beat Manchester United for the first time since 1995. A first game for him, a last game for Ralph Hasenhuttle as he's sacked by Southampton. We'll also talk about a fantastic win for Leeds United and react to the draw for the Champions League. This is The Game. Hello again, welcome back to The Game Podcast. I'm Hugh Wozencroft Today, alongside Alison Runn, Tony Cascarino and Gregor Robertson, we begin with the game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Liverpool getting their first away win of the season with victory at Spurs. Mo Salah uh, with both of their goals in a 2-1 win. By the way, Liverpool had lost their previous two league games uh, against two strugglers, Nottingham Forest and Leeds United. Spurs have now lost three of their last four league games. I actually thought this was a battle between two teams who are capable of far more. I think the first half showed us why Spurs aren't challengers and the second half showed us why Liverpool aren't, to be frank. Um, and it was one of those games. I think they're two quite evenly matched teams at the moment. What did you make of it, Tony?
3: Me and Alison have all had the words before that <laughs> are going to annoy us. Uh, this is the turning point, okay? Which it's clearly not. Um <laughs> Tottenham are poor. I don't get Tottenham in, in many ways because I think they've got a lot of quality. And I watched them against Marseille midweek and i got to say, it was probably the worst performance in 45 minutes I'd seen with a negativity of a way of playing that just offered zero. Now, they are starting games like that. It's really weird because Liverpool and Tottenham are both conceding goals and Tottenham become a better team because immediately they concede... Bentancourt will go higher up the pitch and then push forward. That allow Hoiberg and others to get further up the pitch, which they did in Marseille. So it was the best thing that could have happened to Tottenham is to go one 0 down, because they ended up winning the game. Um, and Liverpool concede early goals, but they're because they're really over adventurous. So it's a bit of a contradiction in the way they both play. Um, I thought Liverpool were way better than they've been. I thought Canate really uh, was assured alongside Van Dijk. There was defending at the very end and chances were coming in and loads of Tottenham players were getting in the 18-yard box. Didn't see any of that in the first half. do not see any of that attempt to play that way.
2: Yeah, well, this is the thing that Harry Kane was, was talking about, that Spurs only seem to play when they're up against it, basically, and they were up against it after that first half against Liverpool. And even though they were fantastic in the second, scored a great goal, maybe could have scored more. Obviously, if you're a Spurs fan, you you want to shake the team. But what is going on at the start of games as to why they're always chasing it? I don't know.
4: They've evolved weirdly, I think, because what was good about Conte at Spurs in the early weeks was you got a sense of he knew what his what he'd inherited and the strengths were, and they've got they've got fantastic attacking players, and they've got pace and. Uh, Ingenuity, I think, and and they can actually look quite lethal. You know, there's oh. something very lethal about Kane, and you think, okay, that's fine if that's what you and you need. And he wanted to build a better defence and g- get the team used to his defensive methods. So that's that to me was fairly logical that they were going to become a counter-attacking team that aren't boring to watch. Tony, uh, oh. in that sense, because I think a good counter-attacking team is is quite breathtaking. They were at their best against uh, Villa, I think, last season when they they didn't really play any football, but their counter attacks were wow, wow, and then wow again. Mainly because of the son, the son and Kane um, link up, but for some reason that I and I think that's an acceptable model and it's not bad to watch. Mm. But for some reason they've been, they've now. Decided, they don't even want to do the counterattacking. This it's it's very strange. It's though there were, there's a reluctance to exploit their positives, and I don't know if that's because he's become impatient with the way the defence is evolving or the way well, they behave in defence. But it's they they they've become gradually more negative under him, yeah. I, and it's that's the wrong way round. A new manager comes in, and you expect them to. Be a sensible manager and build from the back and sort out, sort everything out, and then slowly become comfortable about having confidence to go into attack because they they're assured of what they have got behind them. It's as though Conte is telling the world, "I don't trust, I don't really trust my players yet." I could think
3: you could put on Gregor coming here on this one as well because it's like certainly defensively, they don't. I don't feel they've got the players of the capabilities of the standard that's required defensively
5: Uh, one thing you'd say is that I I don't uh, no manager sends their team out to be negative per se I I think the players need to take quite a lot of responsibility for this personally I think we've seen what Tottenham can do yes and I know that the kind of overarching feeling of the manager and what he prioritises and the way he sets the team up influences the way that the team play but he doesn't send them out to sit behind the ball and when they win it back give it away within two passes and it just you know Invite pressure, invite pressure, like they did against Marseille. Did you see the Marseille game? Yeah, I did.
3: Now uh, uh, that's a training ground performance of what we do when we haven't got the ball.
5: That that's yeah, but it's because uh, they, every time that? they want it back, they gave it straight straight back to them. It's impossible for them to get out, out and up the pitch. So that that's not so Conte's comes, fault.
3: So at the second half, Ben goes further forward. It allows the midfield and Hoiberg to join. Now they look a completely different team. So if the tactics are that we sit in and we hold and Kane was incredibly deep at Marseille and the velodrome.
5: But I don't think we should be surprised that that players are liberated when they've nothing to lose. That's a common trait. It's great to be great when you're playing and it's two 0 down. You're two 0 down. It's, Is the it? bit, it's the it's the Is bit, it? Absolutely. It's the because you've no pressure. you can't you can't really do anything wrong. If you go three nil well, down yeah, up, if, all the if if game's over. If you're,
4: if you're some sort of mid-table team or championship team but Spurs are supposed, it to, be what, supposed to be challenging for It doesn't
5: them. matter it's it, it's part of the psyche it's like if you if you're 2-0 down
4: it's like Roy, Keane, Roy Keane's Nothing famous thing it's
5: easy to play when you're 2-0 down he said that because it's, it's harder when games you know it's nip and tuck there's not much between well, someone teams should tell the crowd that and, then
4: because they're booing when they're 2-0 down and that's not helping them at all
5: Maybe all I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised that that Spurs are better when they're behind because there's nothing to lose that's not surprising the problem is that they're going behind <laughs> and they're not often when they're when they're behind the ball they've got no way of no means of keeping it when they win it back or no link player we've spoken of this before Kulisevsky even when he came on he says his impact mm. he's the one player who can actually it's not all about the spring and attack Son and Kane it's always so quick and dynamic they have to be straight up the pitch it's all linear yeah. it's Whereas Koleske can hold it, he I can hold. It. He it. can roll. Yeah, he can. Mm. But he can hold the ball. He can roll challenges. He can wait for players to get up and say they don't have anyone else who can do that.
2: What do you think the victory meant for Liverpool? You, you mentioned those words "turning point" a little bit earlier on. <laughs> There's been some false dawns already.
4: hundred false <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean anything. If you put "mean" in inverted commas, it was quite nice. Thank you very much. Let's just get to the World Cup and then then we'll talk about it.
2: That's it. No yeah. no deeper meaning. No. No, Tony? No,
3: I The only thing I would say that having Canate alongside Van Dyke felt better. I felt Andy Robertson's performance was much closer to what we know he can do because he's a terrific player. I thought Trent's passing was absolutely oh, ridiculous oh. in the first 20, 30 minutes. And then he went for a mad spell. You know, they were clearly going to get behind Trent during the game, which happened. I mean, how he got away with a push in the penalty box, I do not know. I mean, we could all debate him whether... It wasn't a foul, Tony. Hugh, Hugh Tony. you can't... No, I'm not... Look, no, uh, let's get this right. <laughs> you can't do what he did, a deliberate push. He's got away with it one. It was a little nudge. Well, unfortunately, if you're watching football as you do it, week in, week out, penalties can be given for silly incidents like that. Sessing you on. Taking a risk, but it, I, I don't want that to be seen No, No, I just... I'd, I, hey...
5: You're taking chances. <laughs> You're taking. I, but he's defensive. I, defensively, I mean, there he were, did the, one in the set later in the game. But after that, in the first half too, there was one where he was literally. You could see. You can see the panic on his face, and he's like grappling for the man yeah. when he's gone round. He's gone round them. There's like he's completely square. He's he's in a state of panic. That's happening. If one thing goes wrong for him, which was probably the Sessinio incident, it's like his defending de- deteriorates. But absolutely, somebody's passing. That first time oh, no. Uh, oh my God. There was some it's ridiculous
3: but like, it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just I just think, I could, even on my best day, I could never have done that. What yeah. you just did. He does things that are extraordinary. And look, Mo Salah's performance, I mean, actually he's been on a really good run of goals, which I was speaking about before the weekend. They're, they're, they're growing in forward areas, I, th- I hope. I mean, I'm still not convinced that Nunes is ready to be a starter at the football club. Um, I think there's a.
4: Wasn't that his best game though? You no, know, he's he's, he was, he's
3: better, but I I'm still not quite sure how he fits in to the team yet. I don't. Well, I knew what Firmino did, and I knew what Mane did, and then obviously Salah. I feel
4: it's not quite. It's oh, not it's see, not I smooth. It's erratic, disagree, isn't it? Think, it's a I bit think. off the cuff.
5: Yeah, but that's that's quite. I think he's yeah. trying
4: really hard. To oh fit yes, in, absolutely. Quality, he's making that the one. left side his own, and he's trying not to dominate the penalty area. He's he's trying to play like a Liverpool team played yeah. last season.
3: Yeah, I hope so. But, I he mean, did, I'm still not convinced he's ready yet, but
5: you know, his vo- his volley at the start that was a kind of instinctive. Yeah. It was a great great effort, and he did really well for Salah's goal too. The yeah. way to, to bring it under control. And, you know, a lot of strikers would have shot. I'm surprised he didn't shoot, but he picked out Salah and and Salah's finished. I
2: I, I do think they're just learning to deal with a quite instinctive player who they've had a number of measured forwards. Let's call it that. Bobby Firmino can slow things down. He can bring other players into the game. Diaz although he's a dribbler has real intent and control over his skills he's fantastic and of course Mane was quite a deliberate player as as well and then suddenly you throw someone in the team who you know you don't you can't really predict what will happen when the ball goes towards them so it's quite exciting though it's exciting and he's got a range of talents and obviously as a young Mm. player he will get better
3: yeah Mane was a little bit unpredictable at times at Liverpool when he first came to the club he he was a a player that you never quite knew what way he would go. And his finishing would be erratic and then he developed to become an absolute star, as we know.
2: Yeah, so. okay. All right, well, we'll see if Nunes can can fit in. I, I agree with you, though, Alison. I think it was one of his better performances in a Liverpool shirt. I am still concerned with Tottenham Hotspur's run, though, because I've had this argument so much over recent weeks and I, I don't know where all those people have gone. Well, the football's not great, but we're getting results. Well, now you're not getting results. <laughs> so what now? Like, what is next for Tottenham Hotspur? I know we touched on it already, but they've only got two matches before the January transfer window in the Premier League, that is. Um, and so usually, if this was, you know, if we were speaking the day after Christmas, basically, we'd all be talking about what they can do next week. You know, what can they do in the transfer market? And I think Antonio Conte already gearing up for that. So backs. That's what you would go for. They need wing backs.
5: They don't. I mean, I would. I was. I was desperate for Cessignon to be a kind of elite Premier League player, but I think it's. I can't see it happening. He was. I was, You know, I saw him so much in the Championship at Fulham, and he's. You know, such a thrilling prospect. I just don't think that he's going to reach those levels personally. And he was okay. He was yeah. okay. He was quick. And he's. And he. You know, he gave Trent Alexander Arnold a difficult time, but I just don't think he's kind of. I don't think he's. Someone who's got the right mentality as well to be in, in Conte's team, really. And, you, okay. and the same on the right. Royal, no, not no. a chance. So how, he needs two.
3: How did? How does... I mean, and this is a bit off the cuff here, but has Spence not played? Really, uh, not had an opportunity. Jed Spence, who come from Middlesbrough, who stood out for Nottingham Forest. You think he's a wing-back and he does that role really well. Mm. He's not even been given a look-in. Now, I know Conte said it wasn't his signing at the very start of the season. He was just a young lad that they bring in from Borough because he was on loan at Forest last year. But he's not even been given a look-in in in that position. I don't get that.
2: Well, he's got to see something in training, surely, that makes him think. Or, and I think there's a bit of politics at play there, if it's not your player and you're Antonio Conte and you're desperate for control over the signings, And you want every signing to be your player, not playing the player that the club chose is quite a sign, especially when the club hasn't got all the money in the world. So if you're the board at Spurs, are you going to go now and say, well, we want to invest in this young player for the future. We'll sign them and whoever's the manager, but Antonio Conte right now, you just have to deal with that player. I don't think you are now. Like, you, you've just basically... I'm not going to say it's a waste of £20 million, but it's a signing that hasn't been used at all by the manager I... because the manager didn't want them. So no more of that, basically, <laughs> while Antonio Conte is in There's charge. A
4: battle. There's a battle on there, isn't there? Between Conte and the board. Yeah. And now between Conte and the fans. He's quite prepared to battle anybody. Mm. And it was, it was everyone's referring to these thinly veiled threats from his post-match words. Where he's basically telling the fans, "Stop, you know, you're not helping the team by booing. You buy into me, please." And there's always that sense of, "It's not said, but you can add it, or I'm going to walk away. I don't need this. Mm. You're lucky to have me." Yeah. If you if you start booing me, I'm going.
2: There is a lot of that from Antonio Conte, and you always want to, you want to say like, "Why did you take the job?" Yeah. You know, he always <laughs> gives the impression that there's sort of a you know a bad taste in his yeah. mouth that he's the Tottenham boss. Unless, of course, everyone gives him everything he wants. And then his Tottenham, the future Tottenham that challenges for titles and wins loads of trophies, you know, it's almost like, well, unless you get onto my page, that will never happen. And maybe he's right.
3: Well, there are managers that sometimes feel like they have a different agenda. Okay. And you could probably put Conte in that bracket. And you could probably say sometimes with Brendan Rodgers, you felt there was another agenda at times. Rafael Benitez. Liv- Certainly.
2: Uh, those two at Liverpool, you mean?
3: Well, no. Well, I would say Rogers had a different agenda at, at Liverpool okay. to some level, but I would say that Rafa's agenda at Newcastle oh, okay. was very different. Yeah. You know, uh, his agenda was to tell everybody on the outside within the media what's happening in the club but say the complete opposite on air. That's how I always used to take it. I I had a conversation with Rafa once at an event, and then he was I'm like, well, oh, you're not saying that, <laughs> but, you know, thinking it as he's talking. Uh, you know, you, you get you're not really saying that though, you know, but it was talking without the club knowing, mm. but he's telling someone within the media yeah. who now is getting a different opinion of his narrative is, well, this is why this is happening at Newcastle. Clever though, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think you get found out. I think people find out. It's amazing. You know, I, I can speak as a, as a player and I'm going a bit off tangent here that once took a flight to Ireland before the game come back. And when I got back, Graham Taylor called me into his office and said, did you go to Ireland yesterday? Right. Um. Yes. He said, "All oh, right, because we see you coming out of East Midlands Airport." Now, how the earth he knew I was in East Midlands Airport? I don't know, Tony. But,
2: you're Tony Cascarino. I don't know if you know. No, no, no. Honestly, I mean, you're, you're quite no, a you're recognisable. Not, you're not
4: Tony Cascarino. You, <laughs> this is a big revelation. I, in I the don't know. I don't know. You,
2: were, go you go. were a very recognisable person who towered above everyone else. I mean, you would have been seen. No,
3: I didn't have my villa tracksuit on. I went in Missivies. I went and got took a flight and I would come back. Come on. But he knew by eight thirty the next morning I'd been to Ireland. Air control told the planes to watch right. out for you
2: when you were leaving the no, airport. So... You. That's how t- how much you towered. Hugh, people.
3: everybody talks. We know that, yeah? Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, all right. I uh, heard this, some rumours <laughs> about you, Hugh, as well. About timing. All right, all right. Just, just, yeah, just keep them off air, all right. Um No, listen, I, again, an entertaining game between Spurs and Liverpool. In the wider context, what does it mean? Well, I think a lot of people left that game thinking these two might be fighting for fourth in the end. You know, Liverpool have enough and maybe Tottenham don't have enough to go further than that. Chelsea might be one of the teams vying for fourth. Arsenal might be vying for a title. It wasn't a classic between the London Rifles, but still a huge result for Arsenal. The 1-0 victory takes them back on top of the Premier League. They're 13 points ahead of Chelsea. So in terms of the Kings of London, I think that one might be answered quite early this season. Um, Do you think we can finally now, finally call (laughs) Arsenal credible title challengers? Please, Tony.
3: They're a really good side. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're a terrific side. Everything. If you think of the collapse at the end of last season where I think they had a number of players injured when they lost to Newcastle, especially at the end, and um, they, they, were, they weren't quite ready for the top four. This year, they have come with a different idea and their ability to just press everywhere as high as they can have the confidence to get on the ball, take it to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and take them apart. Because it was 1-0, but it could have been easily more uh, because they were so superior to Chelsea on the day.
2: That's so, an issue.
3: So <laughs> it, look, we're, we're, we're only looking at one team, aren't we? Mm. You know, The debate is, can they stop City to me? Um, because no other team can. And can they do it? And I think that's a, still a really big ask. That's my
2: my issue. But no one's really stopping them. I mean, I know they had a draw with Southampton. Well, a third away through the season. Had yeah, they, thought... and you'd expect them to win that game. I mean, had they won that game as well, they'd be looking really healthy right now.
5: Yeah, look, they're surprising us all. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. I didn't think this was going to happen, even with the additions. Um, but Tony's right. There's a long way to go, and and. It just feels still A gulf between them and City um, Having said all that There are moments in, When you're watching them now And you're, you're kind of yeah. Your eyes widen a little bit you, It's either The fight that they have The kind of You know That other side of the game that's, That sometimes Well it's often been levelled At Arsenal that it's, that it's absent It's not anymore um, And also the way that sometimes they just move the ball so quickly like little times
2: first time little they beat the press with like four or five maybe six first time passes and a couple of them were even a little bit loose like one came in at Erdogan's basically you know the the middle of his body aimed at his groin he managed to like volley it off to the left back with his instep and it was just like beautiful and they were up the pitch and you're like, yeah, sometimes that's from as, like that's as good as Man City. Yeah, yeah,
5: exactly. Sometimes from the edge of your own, their own box, they kind of playing first time passes up back and out to the out to the left, as you say, or you know, just breaking the lines really quickly. And you're thinking, "Crikey, you know, almost doesn't matter who you're playing against there if you move the ball that fast and it's that tight." Uh, they're looking really, really good. Um, but you know, the same thing. We'll, we'll, I'll say this until the cows come home. If they lose Jesus or they lose Party, I think it's you know. A A catastrophe for them because there's no one else. But That's
2: the only two. A bit like Tottenham Hotspur, a bit like every club. You're now two or three games away from the transfer window. You have the ability to address those concerns sooner than you think.
3: And you'll get the back in because where they are and what's in front of them, I think the club will be... Absolutely, full-backing. Mm, and
4: where players used to say, oh, I just want to know what it's like working for Pep Guardiola, they might be starting to think, I'm quite interested in what it's like working for Mikel Arteta. Mm. So they might they might actually attract players they wouldn't have done a year ago.
2: He's the draw, is he?
4: Well, it, it's a coaching exercise that's come good, isn't it, mm. at Arsenal?
2: Yeah,
3: absolutely. They, perfect, a lot of young important.
4: players, a lot of players that you wouldn't say are world-beaters, are suddenly looking like world-beaters. What's that down to? And the fact that Erdegaard afterwards said, yeah, you know, we could have played a lot better, we were a bit disappointed. That speaks of a team that could be in a title race. You've just mm-hmm. won at Stamford Bridge yeah. and you're still a bit, oh, you know, it wasn't that great. You've won.
5: There's also like another kind of hint of City is that everyone really is so comfortable on the ball. Like Ben White playing at right back now, he's so so comfortable on the ball. Zinchenko at left back. Really, Gabrielle, I would say, is the only one who's not like that elite level. Everyone else, they're just so comfortable, and they can sort of interchange. They can move the ball fast. They can build out from the back. They do look really classy. And but as I say, the most the most important thing, like all of that, is great. But the most important thing is they fight now. They yeah. are they are they've got some serious grit and determination, and like a little band of brothers as well. There's young team, one that... young team that kind of can see yeah. that something's building.
1: Mm.
3: There's only one discussion, is it can they finish in front of City? Now, I remember, they are in front of City. You know, yeah, as we stand, I mean, by the end of the season now, obviously. Now, me and you were on a forum many moons ago when Leicester won the title, didn't we, in January? And that question was put to us because the only reason people said Leicester couldn't win the title is because they were Leicester. No one actually dissected how they won the league. And the the reason was that first part of the season, everyone went toe-to-toe with Leicester and come off second best and they got them to the top of the table. The second part of the season, Leicester, I think in that year, had five 1-0 victories in the second part. So they didn't go toe-to-toe in the second part of the season. They actually played two styles in one season, Leicester, which enabled them to win the title. Now, can Arsenal get themselves in a position that they can become an even better team than they are in the first part of the season. That seems unlikely now, but it could be easily possible.
4: It's not. I think it's possible. Yeah. I actually don't think City look yes. the best form of City we've seen at the moment.
2: I think Arsenal have a chance. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Um, the three games before the, the window for them to get through, Wolves, West Ham and Brighton um, before the January transfer window opens. Those are their Premier League games anyway. In, uh, on current form, you'd expect them to to win those. Um, Maybe the game against Brighton is going to be the biggest test there. I don't know. Maybe West Ham, but still, Arsenal looking sensational. Chelsea, on the other hand, not playing great right now. Um, A reporter, rather strangely, I think, put it to to Graham Potter that his players didn't look like they knew what they were doing, which he obviously refuted immediately. Um, We were talking about his start at Chelsea being quite positive about 10 days, two weeks ago. And now suddenly, with some big players being played in odd positions and results, and in particular, I think, performances not at the high level that you expect from both Potter and Chelsea, is it fair that people have these kind of question marks?
4: Yeah, of course it is fair. Although I do... I, I know you said earlier, you know, all clubs have the same issues, but the, Chelsea do have a lot of injury problems. I mean, imagine if Rhys James was not injured Imagine if there was a fully fit Kante in the middle of the pitch. Imagine if Kovacic wasn't always slightly unfit. Even when he plays, he doesn't look fully fit. And when he is fully fit, he's an asset. He'd be an asset to any team. I mean, Potter hasn't even got his first choice keeper, even though Mendy was supposed to be the better keeper briefly. Potter decided it was Kepper, and now Kepper's out. So he's had a lot of juggling to do, not having access to Chelsea's best players. Under Tuchel, a lot of, the highly, you know, paid a lot of money for, and a lot of expensive players were not really performing to what you would expect. And so what you're watching is a team that needs a lot of work, I think, strangely. Like Kai Havertz needs an exceptional manager to bring the very best out of him. He's he's clearly hugely talented, but he makes the wrong decision a lot. And he still even now. When he should be settled, he looks tentative, like he doesn't almost believe his own hype. Um, I think he's a very diffident character for whom football is a job as opposed to a passion and sometimes it looks like that. Aubameyang, I'm not sure that's a Chelsea signing. I I, I think that's a peculiar one and I don't think he slotted in very well. So I think there are a lot of problems for Potter Mm -hmm. to be dealing with. And Potter isn't your usual Chelsea manager because Chelsea are not owned by the usual Chelsea ownership anymore. And there's a completely different vibe. And that has to have an impact on what we see in the on the pitch. There's a lot going on, in other words.
3: Aubameyang was outstanding. The problem is everyone else was out running.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right? He, the day. He, he, he touched is, the ball
5: eight times. He he
3: In 64 is. Meza Urso is worst. He's Alexis Sanchez at his worst. He's that. He's he's reminded of a player that is just having no impact at all. And I know I'm. I, I might be wrong. I, I don't even. It feels like he was exactly the same as what the end of Arsenal was about and why Mikel Arteta had to wash his hands with him. It feels, it feels like he's. Been given an opportunity at Chelsea to sort of reignite his career. I mean, I looked at his numbers with Barcelona when he first went to there and he'd done reasonably well, got gold. We know he's a, a quality finisher and he can certainly do that. But by the end of the season, he was being subbed every game. And and I, I think that's where we're heading with Aubameyang for Chelsea. Um, look, Sterling's been poor. I they they found it difficult to put them together, not just them two. Loftus Cheek's never been a regular at the club and has come into the team, and he's finding it hard in midfield. And I agree with Allison on the Kante, Jitrish, James, Ben Chilwell. Koulibaly was injured. It feels like there's a lot not quite happening at Chelsea. Um, they were they were really poor yesterday. I, I I mean I'm used to Chelsea and and see them enough to, often enough. Uh, certainly against clubs like Arsenal and to take it to them, they struggled in every department.
5: Yeah, there are you know there, there are probably. Issues all over the pitch. You look. have got Fofana, another one who's out, and Koulibaly, yeah. who they signed and was on big money, is now sitting on the bench. Yeah. As you said, in midfield, they're missing Cante and and uh, Kovacic is obviously not fit. And up front, they've th- nothing really. I mean, as I yeah. said, Aubameyang touched the ball eight times, made three passes in sixty-four minutes. What you, is, that what you... is, hmm? that, is that the
3: lowest ever? Is that the lowest ever? Is that I mean, because Lukaku had seven, didn't he?
5: I'm sure Haaland had a pretty. Small number as well against West Ham. No, it wasn't West Ham. Bournemouth early in the season. So it's not un, no, un, unheard of. But for me, the biggest thing is that they, is they were outfought. Like we can talk about these things till the cows come home, but the, mm. Arsenal just outfought them. They had more grip, more bite. And that's the biggest worry, I think. And I was, I've said this before, and it's not. I don't want to be sort of talking badly about Potter because I think he's I'm really glad to see him get the job and and um, you know he's obviously a really talented coach but I just I still find it so jarring when I see him come out after a game and say yeah Arsenal were the better team today can I have no qualms about the result and just be so kind
4: of ser- well, he's not, serene about he's it. not he's not a big time manager he's, no, I not, know, used, I know, he's not used I know, to know, being in fine. charge of a club it's where fine. you're expected to win every single game
5: it's fine that he's like that it's just such a change for Chelsea and it's probably a change for these players as well so I don't know it just that, for me, that's the biggest thing. They looked far uh, too passive compared to... I told to, you all
2: about the personality. I told you about I don't think the <laughs> aggression in you guys. I don't think you in the long agree. run... He
5: didn't agree with me at the yeah. time. I don't think in the long I run g- it'll matter. Okay. His I'll, methods will come to the fore. Ask I, for I honestly him. think that. If but he's given yeah. time. It's just, it, I, I and I also, it also might not be really be an issue for the team, for the I players. Because as you said, we were talking about Chelsea 10 days ago and we were talking about what an amazing start he's had to life. And it's just been you know, an iffy week. So I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm saying is for me watching and I'm sure for the fans too, it's like, this is very different.
2: But but this is because at that level, a lot of it is about PR. You can say the methods will take hold with the players after a certain amount of time or whatever it might be. They need to believe in Graham Potter or the methods don't work because they don't, pay attention to them every time something goes wrong as we've seen previously when things are going wrong for teams but the the players believe in the manager they will come out afterwards and say we believe in what we're doing we believe in the manager any pressure on him it's down to us to play better but at a club like Chelsea you're not going to have players do that are they
4: but are Chelsea a club like Chelsea that sounds slightly philosophical, but I think it's. <laughs> I think it's an important point because they're not Chelsea anymore because they're not owned by Abramovich anymore, and they've got a owner who apparently is into long-term projects and seeing things through. And has re. The only reason Potter took the job was he was reassured he wasn't going to go get sacked the minute there were a couple of bad results. This wasn't going to be the Chelsea of old. So, if you're not Chelsea anymore. I mean, that is a big, whoa, bang, firework. Things are different. Yeah. Very different. Can I just make
3: a point? And I've had this, I've spoke to a few managers over the years about this. And I do wonder if this is the scenario for Graham Potter, where he's walked into Chelsea Football Club with allegedly better players, which he clearly has, better top quality players. But he comes away in the cold light of day and he thinks, my team at Brighton are better than this. I've joined a team that my team is poorer than the team I've left. And I've heard that phrase used by many a manager. said, I took a job, a better opportunity, a bigger club. And then they say, But the team I had before was better than the one I've inherited. They're yeah. not, though.
5: No, well, we say they're not, but. They, they they're... Just, they'd worked with them and they knew, he knew his methods and they'd worked with them for a long, long time. Well,
3: I, 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 I would say that they all knew what he did, was your point of method and time, yes. But they don't have the energy or the desire that his team had before.
5: Sometimes that's that's you know a result Bright, of...
3: Brighton have a lot of energy and desire, which you talked about losing the battle. Have you have you now got characters in your dressing room that ain't going to roll their sleeves up and ain't going to battle? You've now got an issue. About, don't matter how good a player they are.
5: Yeah, I, look, if it, if it, if it continued like this, I would I would agree with you. But I think sometimes the kind of the perception that the team are not are not battling is a result of. I uh, not uh, not being completely
3: Newcastle up next away. What do you, what do you think, Newcastle away? I mean, Newcastle are
5: on, on
2: fire. Yeah.
3: Uh, okay, I've, I've just changed it, but just say what, what would you what would you think this Chelsea team are capable of going at St James's Park? Yeah, they can
5: win at St James' Park.
2: They're capable because of the talent there, mm. but it, you're talking about consistency of of and, and also very high level performances in terms of what they want to achieve throughout mm. the season. If you're going to go and win the trophies that they want to win. And particularly if you're going to win a Premier League over the course of the the next four or five years, then certainly they need to be better. But obviously, time will tell. I think one of the, the things about what you said, Alison, that's quite interesting is a cultural change at the club because it is obvious that with Todd Bowley, Chelsea have gone all in on Potter because of the other appointments that they have made to support him, which is essentially to gut brighton as, as much as they could anyone that that potter recommended they've pretty much gone after i know they've got um co-director of recruitment from southampton i think they're going to be sharing the job at, at chelsea but aside from that it pretty much is people who potter has either worked with before or straight from brighton so they have to be all in for the long term there because they can't sack everyone every time they change manager
4: which sound that all sounds really healthy doesn't it like a, a business run well and oh isn't that a breath of fresh air from an industry where you know, you sack someone in a panic because you're scared you would either go into the relegation zone or you won't make the top four. But it's such a cultural shift that you you kind of think, hang on, if you've got a manager who's so relaxed, and as you've pointed out, to come out afterwards and say, yeah, Arsenal with a better team, that made me feel slightly uncomfortable. Who's so relaxed about defeat, who's so relaxed about a performance that looked like a performance of a Bang average mid table team. Bang average mid table team. Chelsea looked like. There even, even, even when they were chasing the game. They didn't chase the game.
5: But he, he said. He said. It, he said. It's not nice for me to say this, but
2: so
4: but he like it, he he's obviously not in, happy. He, it'll be different behind closed doors. But no,
5: no. But, no, but that's the impression. point,
2: mate. It's the impression. It's not about behind closed doors. It's about what the world, I know it's the public, and the players.
5: I think we're going too far down this wormhole. We're talking about like sack green Potter. No, we're not. No, we're talking about whether they will ever sack Green Potter Potter after it's, it's a change
4: what we're talking they're not about is, is whether it. knowing he won't be sacked is bad for the club ultimately because the players you know they need to believe I, all a bit relaxed.
3: I, I think we've all been in football long enough to know that football has a strange way and we think oh that can't happen well you can go two three months down the line and you're gone as much as we might say he's, has go- got... I, I, I don't think that he's going to get sacked today. But if Chelsea continue to have indifferent results and look average come February, and I know that we've obviously got the break, and mm. by February, if they're looking poor and they get to the Champions League and they get knocked out straight away...
2: But the thing is, I don't think we're actually all thinking about the idea of him being sacked. No. We're no. talking about the difference between Chelsea staying at a level where they compete for the biggest trophies or not... And if they don't compete for the biggest trophies or not, maybe the end result there is obviously Potter mm. sacked. And I think we also still have in our minds a frame of reference of Chelsea over the last two decades that suggests 18 months to two years is the maximum wow. that any manager is going to get. At, if, if things have changed under the new ownership, again, we'll find out very soon. But Thomas Tuchel was 100 days. So, again, are things different at Chelsea? Time will tell. Anyway, yeah. um, I do think we do just very quickly need to talk about the goal, which is one of the worst you will ever, <laughs> ever, ever... I think it bounced three times in the oh. box. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark Kukurea. Wow. Mm. Unbelievable. That, just,
4: that was a thing of beauty. Just hugging Granite Xhaka <laughs> as the ball
2: flies past him and he's literally two yards off his own goal line. And you doesn't know what think, It
4: looked like? you looked like when... <laughs> When when a toddler is lost in the supermarket And then they find their dad And they just cling because they were so scared They were lost I'm not leaving you daddy Just
2: holding on to one leg as he walks Dragging them around it was the, the fr- supermarket
4: It was the
5: first man Because I, I, I feel some sympathy for Thiago Silva Because it was that awkward height where It's like your hip mm. yeah. He couldn't get his knee up to it He couldn't get his foot up to it He couldn't get his body onto it He was the second player that went past It was the first man You can't let it get past That's you
4: That's Kai Havertz yeah. I refer you yeah. to my previous no,
2: no 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 no. okay I mean yes the first man is responsible <laughs> in some way so's the second so's the third no but the second was Thiago Silva and he couldn't get contact with yeah, okay. the ball and then Mark Cucureo wasn't even watching it yeah that was bizarre. I mean
5: yeah. uh, he was doing his job though
2: his job by stopping Granit Xhaka from scoring he walked off the pitch and thought at least I've done my job as Gabriel
4: and the keeper was culpable too
2: yeah yeah, that's true Mendy maybe should have been uh, at least in and around the ball at that point in time anyway it was still a deserved victory for Arsenal they all count um, and they go marching on top of the Premier League at the moment Let's talk about Aston Villa next, who had a new manager in the dugout in the shape of Unai Emery. And his first match couldn't have gone any better. It was an impressive and deserved 3-1 victory against Manchester United at Villa Park. And Villa had not beaten Manchester United on home soil in the league since 1995. There was a great atmosphere Great performance, fantastic start as well as in the first twenty or so minutes when they went two nil up, and it was just a perfect afternoon for him.
5: Yeah, I mean it was it, it was kind of the first ten minutes were like the first ten minutes against Brentford. I was at that game a couple uh, what was it a week two, couple of weeks yeah. ago now, mm. um, just absolutely flew out the traps and blitzed them. And Jacob Jacob Ramsey was involved heavily involved in the first goal and in the sec in the in, and obviously scored the third. He was outstanding, and it was a good, there was a good line in, in Charlotte's report today about you know that th- that game was when Alan Hansen said famously yeah. a match of the day you don't win anything <laughs> with kids so that, that makes you realise how long ago that was, yeah. and uh, obviously Jacob Ramsey is the the young the bright young thing at Aston Villa you know Bailey Watkins again that's why it was reminiscent of the Brentford game is that these are players who have underperformed for so long really not scored goals not really contributed enough, uh, and they they looked. Freed and mm. kind of, you know, Bailey. Bailey's pace is is such a such a threat. It's just that he's never really been getting in positions where he was able to kind of expose defenses because it doesn't really matter who he's playing against. He's yeah. so quick. If he's got space in a channel, he'll he will beat the beat the defense. So, um, you know, it was a great finish to start with. Watkins as well, great kind of composure and feet to pick out Ramsey for the third as well. Um. Yeah, brilliant start for Villa.
4: And who's happy? Who I didn't I didn't know how I felt about Unai Emery until this game, and then I realised I have a fondness for him. Oh, yeah. I'm really, really happy for him, and I thought, why do I feel that way? Because I must have criticised him a hell of a lot when he was at Arsenal. But I actually think Arsenal was a very, very difficult job, and he got hmm. really bogged down with the Mesut Ozil question, and it was it was just you know it was just the post Wenger toxicity was unpleasant for him I don't feel he was given a chance and he's clearly a really decent guy and his you know the numbers of trophies he's won he's clearly knows how to win stuff Whoa. and so it's I think he's, he's definitely got un, feels like he's got unfinished business that's why he's come back and I like the fact the fans on the whole seem to be really positive about him really almost grateful to have him and I like. I just I realised. Oh, I'm so I'm so pleased for him as a person that his hmm. first game was an emphatic win, where you know he's made that connection with the crowd, and the players seem to be playing for him. And maybe this is the time he can bring some of that magic he's had in in Spain to the Premier League, and just devise a way to. Villa aren't going to win the title, but they could. You know, next season they could be challenging for cups, couldn't they?
3: Can anyone think of? Um a manager in the Premier League that's done what he's done without managing the absolute elite clubs in Spain. Obviously, PSG. Oh, yeah,
2: it's incredible. But I do think that plays a part in his success, actually, yeah. the type of club that he's yeah. in charge of. Because I think Arsenal, it was, you have to basically be perfect, win at all costs, get us back to our, our heady days and, and almost, you know we had a, a legacy and we had a legend in the shape of, of Arsene Wenger and we need that back. You need to reshape the club into mm. that. And obviously it was going to be impossible. And Paris Saint-Germain is, is becoming one of the most impossible jobs in football in that it's win the Champions League or you're awful. Yes. Well, that cost
3: him his job. He won yeah. the titles there and cups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it still cost him his job.
2: And but-, I, but I think the shape of Aston Villa, when you look at Vill- Villarreal, for example, who is it's a very small town and a club that's always yeah. basically been... Um, punching above its weight, and you look at what else he's done in terms of his earlier career with Sevilla as well, who did yeah. exactly the same. Aston Villa may fit into that mould. Um, You're a, not
5: in size of club, but in standing. No, not, no in, in, cur- standing. in current
2: standing yeah. Yeah. and where they want to go. I think everyone can get on board with Unai Emery because he's he can take them from where they are to where they want to be, as opposed to clubs who feel like they're already at the top table and only want the very, very best. I think now he's at a a better place for that.
3: I was interested in his lineup with, you know, Buendia and Ollie Watkins and obviously Leon Bailey um, and how they fit together because... They've not played particularly well, most of them this season. And having Dorker and Ramsey, who, who likes to be given the free role. I think we're all going to see Ramsey do this a lot in football. He's be that driving midfielder that gets onto chances and finishes really well. That's his best quality. He's that Frank Lampard type of just getting in that 18-yard box. Mm-hmm. And and Dendulkar gives him the freedom. They look oh, like... Louise.
5: And, and Luisia, yeah, of those, course, yeah. And Donko yeah. came in. I think it was his first start actually yeah. uh, against Brentford. And the two. But of he them,
3: lets people go, doesn't he?
5: Yeah. The two of them were outstanding, not just in kind of terms of breaking up the play and offering that sort of foundation, but also in sort of in playing forward quickly. Yeah. So right. I think that it's actually that's quite important. That having those two players together, it's a good fit, and it allows the allows the other four a bit of freedom and attack. But also, when they lost the ball, they reverted into a four four two, and they kind of.
2: Mm. a simple way of defending yeah, yeah. very simple way of defending meticulous on do you that.
3: want to avoid Manchester United
2: no 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 listen what I would what I would say I think the positive for Unai Emery and it worked in the end of the game in terms of the result at the end of the day is that he would have told them that basically you have to be 100% committed or you're not going to play I'll give you the opportunity today it's my first game to mm. see what you can do you either run yourself into the ground you either get to everything first you're either fully committed or the players that I've put on the bench today will start next week I think we saw a different approach from all of those Aston Villa players, players that we've criticised so far this season under Steven Gerrard for basically being absent for half the time in terms of um, the, the intensity that they've brought be totally different. Mm. That's nothing to do with the coaching. It has to just strictly be the, the message from the manager or, of course, you you guys yeah. have been there. You know, the new manager comes in and you think, right, I need to impress them. Mm. Maybe it was those two things coupled, but... Um, it was a different Villa. It was a different Villa. And I think what's interesting, I mean, it's the same different Villa, if you like, for the, to the first game after Stephen Gerrard left. But I think in terms of what you said, Alison, even as a Manchester United fan, I've always wanted Unai Emery to do well after the way that he was treated when he came to England, which I thought was bad for English football that anyone in Europe would have watched the way that we spoke about a manager of his qualities and the way that he turned into a basically a meme. Um... That they wouldn't want them to do well now like when Villarreal beat Manchester United in the Europa League I was happy for him as an individual and I was happy for him as an individual much like you were Alison this weekend even though I'm a Manchester United supporter um, because he you know is a very very respectful person and he, he didn't get that when he came to England I thought that was bad for for English football anyway what was the question? No right <laughs>
3: well I mean look we've, we've waxed lyrical about Unai Emery and we've talked about his team and the energy was there for everybody to see and, and you talk about Europa League you know we were talking off fair about Europa League and Man United played in midweek and they were way off it yeah. in every department quite surprisingly defensively that they've improved a hell of a lot in recent weeks they look very vulnerable Martinez and uh, Lindorf struggled mm. in the game um, that that was a surprise
2: to me. I-, I wasn't surprised by the result or the performance, to be honest, as a Manchester United fan. I sort of messaged my mate afterwards and said, well, I think we're going to be in this position at the end of the season. And in order to end up in that position at the end of the season, which is sort of fourth, fifth, maybe sixth, we're going to lose some games, and I know that we're not good enough to go through the season and basically win them all. Mm. If teams turn up against us, eventually we're, we're not going to get results. And there have still been a few 1-0 wins for Manchester United this season where you thought they could have gone either way. I don't think they are good enough. Like, I know everyone says there's been a turnaround under Ten Hag, but I don't think they're good enough to fly through the season and us to think going to Villa away, who've got a decent squad and first game under Unai Emery and say, oh, Man United should be winning that game or anything like that. Like, I'll take every victory but I know that there will be defeats to some sides that we would all we're, we're going to sit back and say how did that happen they aren't good enough I just don't think that we can take what we have Are
4: aren't you worried by the lack of a trajectory No, it seems no every, I time, there, every time you there united, is a trajectory. no but every time united take a step forward and Tent hag gets praised for running a tight ship and being tactically clever they then seem to go back I mean he argued whether it was one step back two step back, one step forward two step forward but actually i don't it seems like one step forward one step back they don't I don't see a trajectory this was this performance was as bad as
2: remember the one two of things, his one of
4: his first performances
2: but remember the two things that I wanted to see from my Manchester United side this season I will take you guys back more commitment and work rate out on the pitch because I thought they fell way short in that department and the beginnings of a style of play you could just wanted to see that the man that Manchester United had a structure a design and that they kind of knew what they were doing i wasn't expecting to get anywhere near perfection so for me there is a trajectory yeah. because already those two things have come back to the side in the future, they will need to add new players to that and they will need to get settled with one another, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I do think it will be, as I said before. But because ten, ten hard criticised them for
4: not having the work rate and for not being tactically astute. No, because, so, I, because Delivering because, crosses that went to nobody at all. Yeah, yeah but, you but can,
5: because they're because being I on a good run. They're risking being far too short term, you like, they also, what they're not good enough for is changing, changing four team. players. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
5: They've got Garnacho, Lindelof. Donny van der Beek and I have to say Ronaldo like they can't they can't afford to make those changes they're still that's where they're not good enough With what we saw was them starting to get the best players on the pitch and actually some players like Rashford stepping up to a, a better level Martinez really finding his feet I agree he was poor um, Shaw was poor Shaw as well and he's, he's been good I also don't think he should be allowed in front of a microphone like I I wouldn't I
2: would ban him. He he says he's dour We
5: but he's yeah it's like uh, and he's like we weren't ready. We weren't ready. You know the manager said we need to be ready, but we weren't ready. And then it's like the game was over after 10 minutes. Sorry, Luke. The game was over after 10 minutes. What that should not be your mindset I'm afraid. Like even if you are 2-0 down, even if you're 3-0 down, the game should not be over after Nobody 10 minutes. Nobody whispered
4: 3-2. in his ear, Gregor Robertson believes it's easy to play when you're 2-0 down.
5: <laughs> Absolutely. I stand by that, Alison. <laughs> absolutely. The, the, the way, any weight is lifted. There's no jeopardy left.
4: And yet, it, there was no weight lifted
5: mm.
4: with Man United, which makes me wonder if they're on the correct trajectory. Well, he said already.
3: There's one thing that stands out for me, and with Manchester United, is that there are players at that football club who are quite clearly good enough to play for United. The problem is they're not good enough on a regular basis. They all have their moments. Rashford is a terrific player, having his moments. I, could, I would argue Martial's like that. I feel probably could put Ronaldo in that bracket and another an, a number of others. But if you was to go over the course of the season and judge a Man United team, you would probably give most of them a six of what they're capable of than a seven or an eight. And that's where I see their problems. It's not, they can't, they're can't; they not good enough for Man
5: United. They are, but it has to be on their day. Or if there's one of them being changed, one of them being fitted into yeah. what you feel is the best team. But that... He's
4: asking too much of Christian Eriksen, in my opinion. He's expecting him to be defensively sound and attackingly clever, and it's just too much. He's he's asking him to do much, so he does make mistakes because he's trying to be two players in one. And he's almost good enough at that, but not quite.
2: Always personally aggrieved when your players are treated (laughs) in a way that is just not necessarily what you want to see from them, so... Christian Eriksen this week yeah okay all right well I hope some of your others were treated well and you got to enjoy <laughs> their performances at least um, yeah reality bites a little bit for Manchester United very good win for Aston Villa and Unai Emery I think we'll keep an eye on that not taking too much away from just one win but very very good thanks to my Villa friends for all the uh, messages I received by the way thanks to my uh, Villa friends for all the messages I received uh, I appreciate <laughs> it greatly anyway um, listen coming up next plenty more for us to discuss Southampton sacking Ralph We'll talk about a brilliant game at Ellen Road as well. But remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Hit the little bell for notifications as well, so you won't miss an episode.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
3: VoiceOver on settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
3: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility,
1: there's more to iPhone.
2: Southampton were booed off this weekend after losing 4 1 at home to Newcastle. That leaves them in the relegation zone, and the board have acted. They have sacked manager Ralph Hasenhutel, the Austrian appointed in December of 2018, and departs uh, with the club, taking 12 points from their opening 14 games. My initial thought on this was that it was harsh on Ralph Hasenhutel. Really? Does anyone agree?
4: Well, it wasn't harsh because it was an open secret he was going to get sacked in the international break. The only the only slight surprise is that they've decided to do it two games earlier than they were going to do it in the first place. He knew he was going to get sacked. He was asked, "Can you lift? Can you lift the players after a performance like that?" He said, "No, <laughs> no."
1: <laughs> he
4: knew. Do you feel confident that you're going to uh, be here next week? That's one decision I don't make. So he's known for a while. You could see from his demeanour on the touchline, I was at St Mary's, you could see him thinking, well, this sort of sums up my problems here. I haven't had the money to spend to get in a striker because, believe it or not, although it was 4-1 to Newcastle, Newcastle were outplayed for large chunks of the game. The pretty football came from Southampton. The annoying football came from Southampton because for all their lovely approach play, there was nobody capable of scoring It was, it was just, it was, it just neatly summed up all the problems Hassan Hüthel has had. It just hasn't been given the dosh to buy a top, top striker. I mean, and he's trying to integrate young players with established players. And there were moments when it did look really lovely and the atmosphere was fantastic. And you thought, yeah, yeah, they could do this. And then the minute it crumples, it crumples. I mean, I'm not really sure about Gregor's. It's easy to play when you're 2-0 down. If you're (laughs) Southampton, it's not easy to play when you're 2-0 down. They lost all confidence and Newcastle were like, you know, oh, well, this is easy. We'll have a go now. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised you're surprised or thought it was an odd time to do it. The
2: reason that I thought it was harsh, I'm not surprised, is due to their transfer activity. And I wonder what they expected when they signed so many young players without, and not just Premier League experience, without senior experience to the club. They might have very bright futures, but they are young and inexperienced. You've got Bazunu in goal, obviously, a talent for his age, He'd been playing in the EFL. No Premier League appearances, I don't think. Seikumara, 19, from Bordeaux. Romeo Lavia, another one that came from Manchester City's under-21s. Bella Kotchaps just 20. He's impressed at times, but inexperienced, especially at centre-back. Coleta Saar doesn't start regularly, but he's 25 years old. He's come from Liga. Joe Aribo's come from the Scottish Premiership, mid-20s. Juan Larios, 18 years old. Samadozi, 19 years old. Both of them from, again, Manchester City's under 21s and a loan transfer for Ainsley Maitland Niles. Mm. Can't win anything so, with kids. No, I mean, <laughs> can't win a game with kids <laughs> at that, uh, that point in time. But what are you expecting as a club with that kind of summer? I don't understand what they would have would have, would have been expecting. They were already basically in a relegation battle for the last, what, two or three seasons? All right, they were getting to 40, 35 points with five or six games to go. And there was a little bit of a cushion. They weren't one of the ones always dragged into it. But they were also, they were never a million miles away. They were five, six points above the drop zone for basically the second half of all of those seasons.
5: Yeah, they finished eleventh in his first season. They're really good, and mm-hmm. then uh, I think f- two 15th place finishes. But as you say, the l- last season they lost nine of the last twelve, and a massive slump. There's just been so many like ridiculous peaks and troughs, mm-hmm. and the troughs are getting more frequent. And I, I, when we discussed this a few weeks back, I said I think you know I, ultimately, and Alison's sort of perception of him in the in the press conference sort of underlines this. I think relationships have broken down at the club, and as you say, he probably knew mm-hmm. that they were looking for someone else that his time was coming to an end i think as you say he, he seemed he seemed to be invested in the in the whole model at the club in fact until quite recently he had such a huge influence over the mm-hmm. way that These players were kind of coached from every level every level of the football club but i think ultimately relationships have broken down and that's the reason that he's he's going i think well, you, know, you know i, I, I th- can see this team surviving absolutely I just think that they're losing confidence that he's going to be able to get enough from them.
3: Well, what stood out for me, and I said this in the summer, he got rid of all his backroom staff.
5: No, they got rid of all his backroom
3: staff. Yeah, well, OK, the club, but he to me, he agreed with it. Well, no, he did not that, agree or you with you it. OK, if you don't agree with it, you shouldn't stay. Yeah. If you don't well, agree with it... agree with. He was, was going to go. Well he made a terrible decision then because the moment that, oh, look, maybe, yeah, I've got it wrong as in he didn't, because he's agreed to stay on at the club, that to me is saying, well, you've gone along with a decision you totally don't agree with.
4: Well, if, but if you leave, you don't get your severance package.
2: Well, okay. <laughs> but uh, why would you allow the club to uh, sack all no. of your trusted coaches? I don't get it. No,
3: it's a really bad idea. It's so stupid. Sorry, Al, go on. I don't, it's you not that
4: engin- you, engin- yeah, you engineer. Yeah. <laughs> you engineer a change. They do it. Yeah. You realise you're not going to. He's not going to walk. You're going to pay a severance package, and there's ego involved. I'm sure Hasan thought. Well, actually, why would you sack me? I'm the best person out there who knows this club inside out. Now, I, I can I can still get something. I can still make sure we avoid relegation. And they thought, okay, okay, he has done some nice stuff. Let's stick with. Well, me. look,
3: look. The bottom line is on on Southampton is that. Goals, as you touched on Al, and chances not being taken has been a problem for quite a long time. I would have added in, and I again, I talked about this at the start of the season, I was like, well, what if James Ward-Prowse doesn't get many goals this season? Where does that leave Southampton? Because he was inspirational last year for them with the number mm. of goals, set pieces, free kicks, you know, in all different places on the pitch. He's got one this season in the opening game of the season. James Paul Prowse has to be getting penalties and has to be getting dead ball situation and has to score goals for Southampton to survive. If he doesn't, they go. In my opinion, they go down.
5: It's just been one of the most peculiar kind of tenures that we have seen in quite a long time. He's, I think he's the longest-serving manager in the Premier League. It's like i <laughs> something for like twenty years anyway. Four years, and there've been some real highs, and you've seen some real kind of emotion and passion from him as well. It's like yeah. quite. In- Quite exciting, quite engaging. And you've seen his team be really front foot and energetic and exciting to watch. And then you've seen him looking miserable and grumpy. And you've seen them getting hammered 9 0 twice or 9 1 once.
4: Well, to survive two 9 0s. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
5: So it's been it's just been amazing highs and lows. And, you know, some glimpses of a really, really good manager, I think, as well. But then uh, you don't, it's hard to know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. And perhaps mm. he's been upset by some of the changes behind the scenes as well, not just their coaching staff. Mm. You know, there's. That I think the club's changed ownership as well so like who knows what's really going on there and he's probably not feeling the confidence of the, of the club anymore
2: I don't think anyone even now thinks he's a bad manager I think he'll be yeah. okay to get a job very very quickly Ralph Hasenhuttle I find it interesting to read today that the Luton town manager Nathan Jones is far and away the favourite to take over at St Mary's I, f- I am slightly surprised <laughs> by that I have to say um Because, you know, before I heard that, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, is this a club that could cope with relegation to the championship?
3: Just on that, what does it surprise you about Nathan Jones?
2: (sighs) The the lack of top flight experience. I think he's a really good coach, Nathan Jones. He went to Stoke City. He had the remnants of a relegated Premier League side there. And the job was to basically take us back up. And it fell flat on its face. He just couldn't get a connection with the group of players there. They didn't get his methods at all. The results were really, really bad. And obviously, he's been fantastic as Luton Towns manager in two stints, including getting to the playoffs last year and punching hugely above their weight. Um, But it is still the championship and it isn't. You know, if you took Vincent Company style of football so far this season, in the championship, they've had 60-70% possession in every game. Teams find it difficult to get the ball off them. And even if they don't win every week, they've only lost twice, for example. If, if, if that was how Luton Town played, you might understand it more the main thing that nathan jones has that, that would be good for this job is his development of younger players and mm. bringing through young players because he has to do that because he hasn't got as big a budget as the other clubs and he's been very successful at that other than that i think it is it would be it's such a i can't swear but it's such a storm to go into at southampton <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know if he's necessarily had the stat on his cv that he can cope with that because he went into that at stoke and it didn't work That's my major concern.
3: Would you you really describe Southampton as a storm?
2: I would. I would at this point in time. Yeah, I would at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Because of, like I say, there's a disconnection there. You know, you're looking at a team on the pitch. You're looking at a group of players. What could the expectation possibly be from that group? Like, I'm not trying to be disparaging to the players that they have. I'm not saying that this is a team that can't stay up. I think they could easily stay up. And if they had a great season, a wonderful season, Che Adams started scoring every week, they could do special, not special things, but they could be at the high end of the bottom half, if you know what I mean, which would be a good season for them.
3: But they will be flirting with relegation all year. It's whether they just get over the
2: line. This is it. Me. Okay, so would you bring in Nathan Jones for that? Is he the? Do you, do you think that's the person? No, to I, bring
3: I I I ask you the question because you were very dismissive to. No, I think a, you I,
2: thought... I think he's a fantastic manager. I think he's a fantastic manager. I don't see a problem with him getting a job in the Premier League. Mm. Let's put it that way. I'm saying, is he the person for this job at this moment?
4: Isn't he a banana armor song?
2: Nathan Jones. Yeah, rings a bell. I'm not a banana rama fan. Is he a Bananarama? Is Is that
4: a, a Bananarama song about Nathan Jones? I'm going to look it no. up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Robert De Niro.
4: No, Nathan Jones.
2: We'll find out. Robert De Niro's the <laughs> same person a as banana A song, isn't you, it? you Listen, Gregor, you've watched the championship. <laughs> yeah. Neither of, us are, neither of us are old enough to be banana Bananarama fans. So we're going <laughs> to yeah, leave, that, le- gonna leave, leave that. that to these two for, to the side for one minute. You've seen a lot of his teams... Would you appoint him if you were in charge of Southampton? Well, he's a firebrand. Yes, he's got song energy. song by
4: Bananarama called Nathan Jones.
2: Okay, well oh. done. <laughs> and Robert De Niro. This Did is them... the point where, for those of you who aren't Bananarama fans, our producer John inserts a small clip of the song Nathan Jones.
4: Would you, would you, John? Because it's a good song. Nathan Jones.
2: Oh, Gregor, back to the football. <laughs> back to the football, Gregor. Um, w- yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a storm.
5: He's, a, he's like a force of nature himself. Yeah. I don't. It was a surprise that Stoke went so badly wrong. And Stoke have been a club that have been, you know, in a kind of downward spiral for quite a long time, and are now in the sort of still in a bit of a rut. A lot of excess spend and a lot of players who were kind of hanging around on on massive money. Thought they were Premier League players, it's been a big kind of legacy from their relegation. And he, he kind of, despite his very best efforts and his passion and everything, wearing his heart on his sleeve, he was unable to turn that around. So the only thing is, he's not really done anything that's not, you know, anything positive that's not being at Luton Town. Uh, he's, you know, also from another point of view, Luton Town are one of the best run clubs in, in the country, in my view. And he's what he's done with them is incredible. He's taken them from League Two essentially to the playoff sky. But Championship playoffs last season and he'll think he can get them in the Premier League they've got a potential new stadium on the horizon I think it'll take something special for him to that's, to so that's from it. his perspective but from the clubs mm. I know what you're saying it's like it, it, it's always going to be deemed a risk every, every, I know every appointment's a risk but you're taking someone who's as I've said his only kind of jump into the unknown was a failure and he's he's not got any experience in the top flight um he worked as an assistant at Brighton but I think he left before they got in the Premier League so yeah it would be a risk undoubtedly I'd like to see it happen because he is box office
2: We spent a lot of time there speaking about a prospective new (laughs) manager at a Premier League club. So when, you know, I don't know who's going to be appointed, I'll I'll pluck a name out of the sky and say, uh, when Big Sam's appointed at at (laughs) Southampton, that will all be devoid of any sort of intelligence. We all want it to
4: be the return of Pochettino, don't we?
2: Uh, I don't think he'll take it. Do you not? No, no, but I would love to see it.
4: Maybe he wants a banana-rama song written about him.
2: I don't know what's going on with Pochettino. I mean, that could be a different topic altogether, but jobs have come up, let's put it that way, that you think he should have been linked to and, you know, just having a break at this point in time anyway. Sabbatical. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Before we go, I wanted to talk about the game of the weekend. Absolutely sensational from Leeds United. And Jesse Marsh in particular. The fans, Allison, incredible at Ellen Road this weekend, <laughs> forcing their team to come back from 3-1 down to win the game 4-3. The celebrations at the winner. Absolutely incredible scenes, limbs. We had it all. Credit to Jesse Marsh because at 3-1 down, I was just like, it's, it's, it's it. It's not going to be much longer for Jesse Marsh. I've got That was, that was my immediate thought. And he's pulled a huge result out of the bag. You must be delighted for him.
4: I don't know why you're saying that, as if I don't <laughs> like Jesse Marsh. What I don't like is him being booed while he's in situ and trying his best, albeit when he sometimes sounds a bit peculiar, because we're not used to the American way of talking about sports. So <laughs> I, I, it proves that if you get behind the team, they can do wonderful things. It's All it's doing is underlining what I said they should do all along, which is don't boo mid match don't well they did they booed at half well time. They, weren't, they weren't it wasn't the it wasn't the usual sort of like any club the travelling fans are more bolshie and they they weren't doing the whole um Bielsa stuff in the same it wasn't the same manner it was your normal booing because the team aren't playing well <laughs> as opposed to something that's very vindictive and directed straight at the manager and completely undermining that was normal you expect, you expect home team to get grumpy if they're losing but if you do get behind the team they get energy from it and they can get you over the line in, in added time. So it's just it's just logical. I'm not anti-Jesse Marsh. I don't know why you think I am anti-Jesse no,
2: Marsh. No, no, no. I don't think you are. It's just, you know. <laughs> he
4: can't fault his effort. Yeah.
2: Uh, my job's just to ham things up. And that's what I do. <laughs> okay. And that's what I did.
3: Tony? What, on Jesse Marshall. Yeah, game?
2: yeah. Well, whatever you want.
3: Well, I, the the major thing for me was that the Bournemouth have had a week of two goal advantages against Spurs and then Leeds, and and but, it's but, easy but, but to make. No, what no, what you no, to. no. I'm not. You wanted to. No, it's easy to be. <laughs> you know be critical, over-critical, because I did think in both games there was a time for substitutions that you should make as a manager with a two-goal advantage in a game because you want to try and stop the opposition. And it was quite clear what we've talked about, or Alison's mentioned about the crowd and how they can lift, which is an absolute valid point. But it was quite clear the substitutions by Jesse Marsh were going to be all-out attack from everywhere. And I thought they paid a price again. Is that a coincidence that last week and this weekend that Bournemouth have paid a huge price for a team that obviously were going to come on with loads of numbers of people getting into the danger areas and causing them problems? And I thought Bournemouth were a little bit naive in that respect. To not How can they not even get a draw out of one of these two games? Because they, they, they didn't have
4: Gregor yeah. to go in and give a team talk and explain, no, I, you're I, at your most vulnerable also, when I, the <laughs> opposition are 2-0 up. Yeah, that's I, true.
5: I, I liberated. I, you I, saw the freedom with which Lee played in the second I, half.
3: I, 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 look, the goalkeeper looks... I mean, I'm not sure about Liam Cooper's goal at all. How he's not stopped that. I was... I had straight to say, he's got to save that. You know, that, would, that made it 3-3. And I'm probably being a little bit overcritical on the substitutions, but I did think it in the days, like... You've had a 2-0 lead the week before. You've got one now. Just trying to shore your team up. up.
2: Hat tip tip very quickly to, as you mentioned that, to Bill Edgars, the game in numbers in the the Times app. Read it today. Bulmas Mark Travers, the first goalkeeper to concede as many as 23 goals over five consecutive top flight starts since Jim Thorburn for Ipswich Town, March to April 1964. So there you go. There you go. Go on, Gregor.
5: Yeah, that's tough. Some of the breaks were, you're right, ridiculously naive. Like They looked so wide open. But we've got to give Leeds credit too. I mean, and it's young guns that have come on and kind of, you know, uh, Wilfried Nonto has come on and made a massive difference.
2: Oh, but last goal, you've got to take him out. The f- uh, he's making the run through the middle of the pitch. I'm sorry. You've got to take him out. Yeah. I could not believe that. I can't remember who the defender was. at the perfect opportunity. Didn't even have to really chop him in half. Little trip he would have gone over. Take the yellow card. Get out with a three-all draw. Mm. Call me a cynic, but you know the game's the game. Anyway, sorry, Gregor. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> nearly done.
5: Crescencio Somerville as well.
2: Yeah.
5: I mean, he looks a player.
2: He just looks... only scores winners. <laughs> <laughs> don't put, don't put me on unless the game hangs in the balance, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Dynamic, direct, pretty fearless looking as well. So. Yeah,
4: like, they, he's a player that likes being two 0 down. Isn't he doesn't he? care. He's <laughs> fearless. He's, he's, no, I don't
5: think he's fearless. He doesn't matter. He doesn't care. four 0 up, and he still plays with freedom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we've got to give him credit. you have got hmm. to give him credit for the changes. I think it was a bit of change of shape at half time, and yeah, I, yeah, you've got to be pleased as well to see Jesse Marsh, where he's you know, coming back from what looked like a pretty much a doomed position, and and he's. Wearing his heart on his sleeve, he's bumping his chest
2: in front, of the, yeah. in front of the stands. And I know it sounds weird, but that is the kind of afternoon, the kind of feeling, the kind of energy inside your home ground to win a game against all the odds that you will probably need to harness a few more times before the end of the season, maybe particularly towards the end of the season, to help you stay in the league, because they know it's possible now. That's a big thing psychologically.
5: It's also because, as I said last week, they can't defend. They still can't defend.
2: (laughs) So part of me thinks this
5: is not sustainable. You know, they're not going to score four goals very often.
2: So congratulations to Leeds United, Uh, Jesse Marsh, all the fans as well who uh, celebrated like masochists at the end of that game, Uh, but sensational nonetheless, Okay, Listen, as we've been talking, big news has arisen and no one knows... Do they? You now know. I'm
3: guessing, I'm guessing something The ridiculous. draw yes, has some, been made.
2: A particular game. Draw has been made for the last you 16 very happy, of I? the Champions League. I will break the news to you because none of you know. Is that right, Tony? You don't know? You don't know what the no, draw No, I don't is? know the draw. I'm just, yeah, right. just guessing at one so game. So this is breaking news, obviously not to you listening, but to those of us here uh, inside this studio. I can read it to you in full. Huge game. Paris Saint-Germain taking on Bayern Munich. Ooh, oh, come on, guys! Ooh. Give me something. Inter Milan against Porto. Club Brugge uh, against Benfica. Eintracht uh, Frankfurt against oh, Napoli. No. Borussia Dortmund against Chelsea. AC Milan against Tottenham. RB Leipzig against Manchester City. Oh, no. And the tie of the round, <laughs> a repeat of last year's yeah. final. Liverpool taking on Real Madrid <laughs> in the last six. Oh, so we got to celebrate there. Oh, since- should no. he should be illegal. What a draw! What a draw that is. Immediate reaction: Tony Cascarino, gutted. <laughs> gutted.
3: Oh, there's no other word I can use at the moment. I need to think about it. It's not. It's not. It's not
5: good. No, it's, not good. It's, not <laughs> it. it's not good, It's
4: not good. Draw. I know. I'm relishing it. I, that, yeah. that is revenge. Yeah, it's revenge over two legs. For goodness' sake, easy piece of <laughs> piece of pie, as they say.
2: I've got to say, it's a fantastic draw. That those two games will be sensational. Fingers crossed for that.
5: Spurs, Milan too. Can't Spurs, that, Milan.
2: Too. I think Tottenham should. Boss. Tottenham should win that. Yeah, Milan. Are- I'm just judging off the back of the games against Chelsea, really. For AC Milan, well, it could have been worse for Tottenham. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I yeah. quite like Bruges
5: uh, against Benfica too, because one goes through. Yeah, that's the two- Yeah, yeah that's no, a I, was, I
4: was, I was, hoping that Liverpool might get
3: Benfica. you say that, but if you look at the group and Benfica, and yeah, how they got absolutely. through. They were yeah, top yeah. their group brilliantly well. Yeah, a huge
5: yeah. amount and of points. And Eindracht Frankfurt uh, against Napoli. Napoli. Yeah, I mean, those one. are great
2: ties. Bruges yeah. Dortmund against Chelsea, I think, will be an entertaining one. I'll be Leipzig against Manchester City, obviously expect City to go through, but still decent op- opposition. But I think Paris Saint-Germain against Bayern Munich mm. will be a great tie yeah. as well. We can't complain about that, can we?
3: Well, I would imagine then both camps are looking at each other and think, oh no,
2: what yeah. a terrible draw.
5: Well, the fact that there's two... Two draw, two two ties, sorry, yes. that are between big beasts that kind
2: of throws it open a little bit more as well. Yeah. It does, it does. Could be Tottenham's year once again, or <laughs> well, at least to get to the final. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I guess it's now an extended episode uh, of the Game Podcast, but there was so much for us to discuss. Gregor Robertson, Tony Cascarino, Alison Rudd, thank you for being with us. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back. What day is it? Monday. We'll be back on Thursday. Loads for us to discuss then. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want to get more of the game, check it out. It's thegame.co.uk forward slash the game. And make sure you download the Times app and just hit sport.